0: Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can come into your presence. Thank you for how our brother reminded us how you are a hiding place. Um, The righteous run to you. We don't run away from you in the time of trouble. We actually run to you because you are a refuge, you are a strong tower. And so today we've come with burdens on our mind and we've come with a lot of different issues that may be dividing our attention. But we are so crazy to believe that the God of heaven and earth would actually speak through people. You spoke through your word through people and we believe in the preaching event that you will, by the power of the Holy Spirit, illuminate the word of God and teach us more about you. We come with an expectant atmosphere waiting to hear more from you and about you so we can look more like you. And God, for those that are still on the journey, God, reveal yourself even more teach us even more about you, and encourage us. We ask all this in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Babe, could you give me some, uh, you got some water already? Thank you. Thank you. Hey, thanks for coming out today. Um, We are in a series called Greatness uh, Redefined, and we are wrapping up the series today. Uh, If you have not heard the entire series, feel free to go on our website, BridgeChurchNYC.com, and you can go there. We also have podcasting now, so you can check us out on our podcast. You can see the rest of the series. This is the end of it. This is the third week in the series, and we're encouraged that you get a chance to come out and just worship with us today. Uh, as we talk about greatness, you pretty much understand what greatness is about. Uh, you call some people great already, whether it's a, you know, good debates or who's the greatest entertainer or the greatest rapper or the greatest singer. All these are great debates because... When we say someone is great, basically what we're saying is they have an above average skill that sets them apart above other people. But greatness, as we understand it, is not just having great skill or above average skill. Greatness is also about acknowledgement. See, it's not just enough to be able to have a skill. People need to be able to say you've got a great skill. They've gotta be able to talk about you and acknowledge you. And so we see that skill plus acknowledgement equals greatness, and in a city like New York City, a lot of us are hustling to be acknowledged. A lot of people right now are trying to work really hard for people to know that they have a great skill or that they exist. (laughs) You know, people are having websites and blogs and Twitter and Facebook. You're trying to get your name out there. You're trying to get people to know that you are good at what you do. You're hustling for your name or you're working. You're getting that education or you're working two jobs or whatever it is. But everyone in this city is working hard for recognition. Now, regardless of all that, if you're not an entrepreneur, if you're not a singer, if you're not an actor, if you don't have you're not starting a nonprofit, regardless of all that, here's the truth. Currently, right now, no one in this room is satisfied with the amount of recognition they're currently receiving. Everyone is a little hungrier for acknowledgement to be recognized. Everyone wants to be friended a little bit more, to be followed a little bit more, to be liked or starred. (laughs) You get heart palpitations when you put a picture up. You wanna be mentioned or admired or sought after or envied. Everyone's hungering to be known just a little bit more. And that desire started when you were young. It started with the applause of your father and you hungered for your dad to be able to recognize you and know that you were good at what you did. And when he said you were good, it made a difference. It could have been a coach, or it could have been a friend, but someone, in, someone around you, you desired for their attention to say that you are good at what you did. Some of us got that, some of us didn't, but none of us got enough of it. We're all in a deficit a hunger and desire to be known, and it's, a, it's an appetite. It's a deep appetite inside, raging inside of many of us to be known, to be acknowledged, to be recognized, to be envied, it's inside of us, it's, it rages sometimes. And you feed it, and it grows. And it's never enough. You want more of it. And so you're never fully or finally satisfied with the recognition you have. The more friends and fans and followers you have, you want more. You want more, and you want more people to give you the applause that you long for. the deep hunger we have inside. And so being that there's no amount of known that will satisfy our heart, especially in the areas that we want to be known in, the places that we really desire to be recognized for. you know? Um, I liken myself as a communicator. You know what I'm saying? So I like to be known for that. And then when I hear people praising other people for that area, I try to pretend like I'm cool. But there's a part of me that feels like they are, being, they are robbing me of my identity. Because that's what I want to be known for. So if you ask me, what do you think about such and such? I'm, I'm like, oh, they're great. But in my heart, I'm like, yeah, I eat. <laughs> because I long for that recognition and acknowledgement, And we all have that deficit we're working with. And so the tension that we are going to talk through and the ones that we've been talking through through this entire series is that Jesus defines greatness in a very unique way. We said Matthew chapter 18, verse 4. It's this incredible picture of Jesus talking to the Pharisees. And as he talks with them, one of them asks him, Listen, who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom? I mean, you know, how do you rank people? Because I know how we rank them in the world, but how do you rank people? And Jesus, while he was talking, ends up getting a child and bringing that child towards him. And he points to this child in Matthew 18, verse 4. And he says, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So normally when we see children we point to adults and say be like them. But now Jesus takes a child and tells the adults be like him or her. And what it was was about this child was that they were the smallest one in that circle. They had the least amount of ego. They were the least entitled. They were forced to live humbly. So Jesus says, look at the humility of that child. That's greatness. We said in Romans 12 and 3, we said, no, don't think higher of yourself than you ought to think, but think of yourself with sober judgment. See yourself accurately. Because when you see yourself so big, you can't compliment people. You argue with people. You don't listen to people. When you think higher of yourself, you're a hard person to deal with because you're proud. So Jesus says, look at this small person. See how they're just... They're here and they don't come, and they don't take away all the attention. Children were forced to be the servants of the home because they were the smallest people. He says, start living small. So the tension that we have is this, how in a city like this do we live small when we gotta make our names great? How do we live small when you gotta get your name out there, you gotta hustle? do you wanna be known and recognized? How do you live small in a world where everybody wants you to be so big? And so there's this tension that we have and that we wrestle with. And so Jesus tells us this definition, but it's so good that we have people that flesh out this picture of stewarding acknowledgement and stewarding recognition. And there is this person of John, John the Baptist, that we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at several verses that look at his life, but we're going to unpack this desire that we have. Uh, by way of context, we're going to look in Mark chapter one, verse four and five. If you have your Bible, feel free to go there, or if you just have your phone, feel free to look on that. And if you don't have that, you can look up on the screen. Mark chapter one, verses four and five, it says, "And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. It says in verse 5, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to see him. So when you look there, look at several important things. First of all, he's preaching this baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins. And we'll deal with that in a second. But in verse 5, it says the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went to see him. So the significance of that is, one, this is probably thousands of people going out to see John the Baptist. And they're all going because they've heard about this incredible picture of baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And then what we realize, it says that it was people going all the way basically from Jerusalem to the Jordan River. That's 19 hours. That's a 19-hour walk. That's a full day's journey. So think of this: thousands of people going out to see John thousands of people and these thousands of people are going a whole day just to see him and he's causing a stir people are talking about him because it's an incredible thing he's doing called baptism and so because of that the religious leaders want to check out who he is they're interested in who this guy could be so uh John chapter 1 verse 15 so you would flip over if you have your bible or you can scroll if you have your phone or you can look up John 15 uh, chapter 1 John testified concerning him he's talking about Jesus he testified concerning him and he cried out saying this is the one I spoke about when I said he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me notice what he's saying he's saying listen he's I was here before he was, but now that he's come on the scene, Jesus has already surpassed me because he was before me. So what he's talking about is how Jesus is truly the son of God and existed before John the Baptist had ever really been born. And so he is already giving him recognition for who he is. He's saying an accurate picture of Jesus wouldn't be I'm before Jesus. An accurate picture of Jesus would be Jesus has always been. And I didn't come before him. I came after him because he's always been. So the first taste of recognition that John the Baptist gets, he starts talking about Jesus. And he says, listen, let me give you guys a picture. I know you're going to give me props, but give him props. Because he was... Always in existence, and so now thousands of people are going out to see him. Now he's, he's packing stadiums; he's a big deal. So yeah, had this big deal, John the Baptist, and now in verse nineteen, verse nineteen, jump down there if you're if you're there. It says now this was the the this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem they sent the priests and the Levites. They send these two religious leaders to ask him who he was. Oh, I love what verse 20 says, though. It says, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. So they want to start asking him questions. Okay, well, being that you've got all this influence now, John, you're a big time influencer and thousands of people are going out to see you. And we heard about what you're saying about Jesus, but let's ask him questions about you because we come from an Old Testament framework and we've got some thoughts about who we think you are, so would you answer some questions for us? And he obliges. us. He says, um, again, they said, he, they didn't fail to confess, verse 20, he says, I am not the Messiah. They didn't even ask. He says, let me get this out of the way, I'm not the Messiah. Then, verse 21, they asked him, then who are you? If you're not the Messiah, in other words, if you're not Jesus, the one that the Messiah, the, the coming king, if you're not him, then you must be Elijah. And Elijah, if you look in the Old Testament, the prophet Malachi talked about someone who was someone of a forerunner, someone that would come before Jesus or come before the Messiah. And he says, well, you must be Elijah then, because we've read about Elijah. And then he says, oh. he says, "No, I'm not, I'm not him." He says, "Well, are you a prophet?" Maybe you're one of these guys from the Old Testament we we read about. He answered, no. And finally they said, well, who are you? We can't fit you into the way we think. Who are you? And then, oh, this is what I love. He says, what do you say about yourself? Isn't that a profound question? What do you say about yourself? They asked John, what do you say about yourself? This is a big moment, because the crowds are wondering. The priests and the Levites are there. And everyone is cowering because his fame has reached this incredible height. What do you say about yourself? This is your big time. You're on the big stage. What are you going to say about yourself? And John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet. He says, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord or for the Lord. He says, this is the deal. I'm a voice, but I'm really more like a directional marker. I'm I'm directing people to someone else. I've got a voice, but my voice is only so that it can prepare the way of the Lord. And so if you hear me, it's so that you can know him. If you see me, it's so that you can see him. And if I get recognition, it's for him. My known is for his renown. I'm really just a directional sign. When you see me, watch me pointing to him. That's who I am. I know, I know it was my big moment. I know I let you down, but I'm really just about somebody else. When you ask me about me, you're going to hear about him, because I'm about him. Why? Because I know who he is. I want you to know who he is. That was his big moment. Oh, man. And so, watch this. I, the Bible's really fun, man, when you just read it and Okay, so now the Pharisees, the Pharisees who had been sent, question him. Verse 25, why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? Why are you putting people underwater? Why are you, why are you telling them about forgiveness of sins? Why are you doing all this stuff? I mean, you seem like somebody that, that, that could be the Messiah. I mean, you're doing all the things we thought he was going to do. With. Who are you then? He says in verse 26, I baptized with water. John replied, but among you there stands one you don't know him. But he is the one who comes after me. He's the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. The imagery there is that I, you know, it would be people who were washing feet and untying the sandals of somebody. And that was a picture of a slave or a servant. He says I'm not even worthy to be his slave or servant. I shouldn't even be this guy's servant, much less get the recognition that he deserves. (laughs) Gosh, me? Oh, no, not me. And so I'm just the opening act. There's something better coming. He's among us. You should know him. I'd love for you to know him. So he says, verse 29 the next day, John. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Look. Now, when I say look, you say look, look. look. When I say look, you say look, look. look. When I say look, you say look, look, look. 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 Look what he says. He says, I mean, so this is so awesome. He says, The next day, John saw Jesus coming. Then he comes on the scene, and he says, Look. Uh. <laughs> I'm done. He says, look. But isn't that what directional markers do? Isn't that what they do? Don't you, when you get your GPS, you want to know what comes next? Come on, come on. I want to know what comes next. Tell me to look. Look. Don't look at me. Look. 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 That's what they do. And he says, look. Verse 29, look. The Lamb of God, oh, he's the one we've been waiting for. He takes away the sin of the world. You see, I was taking people underwater, and it was all symbolic. And I'm talking about the forgiveness of sin, but that's the one that's going to do it. That's the guy. He's the one that takes away the sins of the world. I've got a voice, but it's only so people hear him. Well, this is the guy you've got to meet. You've got to meet this guy. Look. Look at the Lamb. He's the one that takes away our sin. He dies for our pride. Look at him. Look at the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Oh, but look in verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two disciples. And in verse 36, when he saw Jesus passing, he said, when I say look, you say look, look. Look, Look, he said, look, the Lamb of God. He did it again. Look at him. Look. Look. The Lamb of God. What's so sweet and so kind of you, John, to say for people to look. But he's the directional marker, right? It's not enough for people to just look. They need to go. And so in verse 37, look what happens. When two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. He said, look, and they followed. But if they followed Jesus, that meant they weren't following John anymore. Oh, and I know this followed the, this, this bothered the JTB fans. All the people that had gotten really excited about John the Baptist. They had all their t shirts and stuff. Like, man. John, do you, do you see what's happening here? They've unfollowed you. To follow Jesus. I mean what are you saying? You're losing your influence, bro. And he's robbing you of what you deserve. You you watching this, John? John 3, 26, they come to him and said to him, Rabbi, they were so polite, they gave him a very, very esteemed name for a Jewish leader, Rabbi, Rabbi, that man, verse 26, that man who was with you, that man, remember that man who was with you? the other side of the Jordan. You remember that man, the one that testified about you? Remember you were talking about Look, Guess what he's doing? He's baptizing. What I'm saying is that's your thing. You are John the Baptist. Hello. <laughs> Do we need to remind you of who you are? You're John the Baptist. And now Jesus is out there baptizing. What in the world is going on? Up your game, uh, John. Shoot. He's robbing you. You need to start doing double baptisms or something, man. Are you kidding me? You're losing your influence. You're John the Baptist. He's Jesus, whatever we call him. And everyone is going to him, they said. Everybody's going to this guy. This guy, Jesus. I mean, so what do we do? Well, ready for this? This is huge. This is the big moment. This is the big moment. Verse 27 to this, John replied, a person can receive only what's given them from heaven. If you were here with us last week as we walked through Daniel 4 and 5, do do you remember this language, the most High is sovereign over all kingdoms of the earth and gives them to whoever he wishes? Do you remember how we talked about how the kingdom had been given to Nebuchadnezzar and how it could be taken away? Remember how he had to be taught it was a stewardship? Well, John gets wind of this and understands this concept early on. So he says, listen, any influence I had, it was a stewardship in the first place. Any influence I've been given, it was given to me from above. So no one's robbing me. Because they can't take what they didn't give me. I was given to it from above. I was given my influence from God himself. I didn't ask for where I was born. I didn't ask for my gifts. Those opportunities, yeah, I I, I worked them, but I'm not self-made. My hustling game is really not that strong. Everything I have, I've been given by God. I'm really aware of who I am and who God is. I'm very aware of that, guys. So I'm really not afraid of losing some influence because I really didn't create it in the first place. It's all been a stewardship, y'all. It's just, I, know, I know you want me to get upset, but I can't get mad because he's the one I was pointing to. He's not robbing me of anything. Verse 28, you yourself can testify that I said I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. I told y'all this, and maybe, maybe y'all forgot. Maybe I need to remind you again. I know who I am, and I know who he is. I'm only known for his renown. And so the, the essence of this text is in verse 30. He must become greater. I must become less. Or for my, you know, if you have the other version, he must what? Well, he must increase. Come on, y'all, I thought I was gonna, that was supposed to be a really cool moment. He must increase, and I must decrease. So he says, he has to become greater. I've got to get out the way. And so the beauty of this text and as we talk about greatness, we are talking about a great and majestic God. One that will fulfill the needs of the people that we know. A-, a God that Brooklyn is hungering for and needs to know. And they don't need to know us. We're good, but we're not really great like him. And our egos can get in the way, and our pride can get in the way, and we, want so, we hunger so badly for acknowledgment the truth is, is that all knowledge, acknowledgement is a stewardship from God. And we, when we get it, we want to point to him and he says, listen, it seems to me that Jesus is becoming more known in this city than I am. And you all want me to get in the way of that. And so if there's anything that I'm doing that's getting in the way of you knowing more about him, I'm going to decrease so that he can be increased in your mind and in your life. Because I want him to be greater. And if that means I must become lesser then I need to get out the way. He says in verse 31, the one who comes from above is above all. He goes on to say the one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. Verse 31, but the one who comes from heaven is above all. He's above all. He's above all. As we get ready to close out this series, much of what we've been talking about with greatness really, it corners you to figure out who you are and why you do what you do. And we have to remember that God could shut all of our influence down in a minute. Everything we've had he can shut it down within a minute. And so we have to remember who it's from and remember who it's for. We have to remember who it's from and remember who it's for. And it's so simple, so easy to forget who we are. One day I was uh, was walking with my mother and um, I saw the moon and I said, it was, a, it was a full moon, it was very bright. Have you ever had one of those nights where the, the moon is just lighting up the whole city? I looked up and I said, mom, isn't that amazing? She said, what? I said, well, look at the moon. The moon is lighting up the whole city. I said, I, I said it's so funny how sometimes the moon has light and sometimes it doesn't. And she laughed, she said, baby, The moon ain't got no light. (laughs) See, I don't think you understand. If you see light on the moon, it's because of the sun. The moon only reflects the light from the sun. So when you see that, don't think about the moon. Think about the sun. C.S. Lewis said it this way. Don't shine so others can see you. Shine so that through you they can come to see him. Just remember who you are. If you want to be great, see, I believe service is not just about gifting everybody wants to come in and have a gift test. Well, we'll do that Serving is not about doing what you do great Serving is about sacrificing because of who we're doing it for and when it becomes hard We do it more not because my name is being known, but because his name is being known You see we shine in such a way to know him We don't always need to fit into what we do best We need to fit into what will make his name known. The question isn't about me. It's what can I do for him? And that's why we do what we do as a church. And that's why we are who we are. And if you want to be great, focus on the great one and do what you can with your gifts and your talents. And oh, hustle, hustle. Get your name out there. Oh, I pray you're the best teacher, leader, singer, actor, lawyer. I pray you're the best. But when you get your time and they want to know about you, find a way to point to him. Don't rob, no, when other people have gifts, they're not robbing you of anything. They're just living out the way they've been made. But we could be robbing God of his glory. We could be robbing God of his glory when we don't give him the acknowledgement that he deserves remember what john said oh he's from above that's what he is and if you look back at daniel he says he is the most high all we do when we praise is we're acknowledging god for who he is and for what he's done and when you can see god for who he is in this picture of isaiah 6 where when i see god for who he is and when i see myself for who i am oh i want to serve him because i see how frail i am That's so oh send me i'll go i'm I'm sinful, I'm a man of unclean lips, but God, you are majestic, you are awesome, and you are holy, and I'll serve you. I'll serve you. It doesn't matter who gets the applause. Uh, <coughs> closing out the series, so I got like six stories, praise God. Um, my senior year in, uh, in high school, I um, played in the state championship I think I've told this story before, but it never loses its effectiveness. Um, but I played in the state championship, and um, I had, I don't know how many tackles I had. I played a good game, praise God. We won the, we won the state championship, and um, they, they handed out the most valuable player. And I played a, I played a dope game. <laughs> And so, when they started handing out the trophies, um, they lined us all up. And as they started lining us up, they started announcing names. And they said, for the most valuable player. And I started taking a step forward. (laughs) Because I killed it. (laughs) And they called somebody else's name. And it was, it was one of my best friends on the team. His name was Shane. And Shane doesn't sound that much like James, so as I stepped step forward, he was next to me. And so they were like, hey, man, Shane McCutcheon. I was like, oh boy, that's you. That's you, I knew. I knew you played that game. <laughs> and uh, the game was over. And we won. We won. But I didn't get the recognition I thought I deserved. But later on that week, my coach invited me over for dinner. He says, hey, why don't we watch the game? I said, yeah, let's watch the game. And he says, man, we're watching the game. And as we watch the game, he's nudging me. And he's like, hey, that was a really good play. I was like, thank you. (laughs) And he kept doing it. He says, hey, that was, hey. You know what, and then in the middle, I promise you, in the middle of this entire conversation, he goes, you know, James, you didn't get that MVP award, but I just want you to know, if you didn't play the way you played, we would have never won that game. So I just want to thank you. Man. It makes a difference about who you care where the applause comes from you see it was great having all the teammates celebrate him but I'll always rec- I'll always cherish when my coach pulled me aside because he taught me all the plays he raised me up as a player and so when I sit with him and he tells me good job his good job has infinite more meaning than all the good jobs from all my other teammates and what I am telling you is that you work hard you hustle hard but i just want to let you know you may not get the recognition in this life you feel you deserve but if you serve the one who is eternal and is before all and who will see you one day and he is the one that we want to hear well done good and faithful servant and he will say you were great you know i saw that i saw when they asked you to stay overtime, and you didn't gossip and you didn't complain. You served. You were great. No one else recognized it. But I want you to know I saw you. I see the way that you are caring for people. And people are even talking about you as you care. But I want you to know I saw you. And right now, the scriptures talk about him being the father who sees in secret. And some of you are not great in the eyes of men. But if we redefine greatness, the question is, are we great in the eyes of God? I want to be great in the eyes of my master. I want to look at him. Don't you want to see him that day? When you, I mean, I don't care where you're at theologically today, you know you're going to die. You know this. And you may perceive that there is a God And if you perceive there is a God that may have a standard, then the first thing is knowing his son, and then it is serving him. And if you long to serve him, I pray you serve him with a pure heart, in such a way where if your name is never up in lights, if you never have a fan base, if you never get followed, tweeted, retweeted, quoted, mentioned, you'll long to hear the words of your Heavenly Father. Well done. That's greatness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We can do nothing without you. As we get ready to sing this song, I pray that we would take this moment just even now, Lord, to to exalt you, to lift you up to your proper place. The fact of the matter is you are already exalted. You are already high and lifted up but there is a part of us that always forgets about the true nature of who you are, that you are set apart, and you are holy. And so right now, God, as we get ready to sing, Heavenly Father, would we put you in your proper place? Would we long for the recognition from only you? Would we long for your applause? Because applause, recognition, All those things, those things that we have inside of us, that we long for. I pray that we would get that met from you. And I pray we would long to hear your affirmation. Let us live for the applause of one. For an audience of one. For an audience of one. In Jesus' name.